Hi, dear listener. Zach here. I'm proud of the work we did on Call of Discovery and Keyforge Public Radio, and last year I took my love of podcasts full-time with my company, Rooster High Productions. If you know someone with a business who wants to broadcast their expertise through podcasts and derived social media marketing, send them my way to Zach at RoosterHigh.com. Thank you so much. Hello and welcome to Call of Discovery, a celebration of Keyforge, its community, and the excitement of discovery. I am still here as your host, Ed Pocock, and today we are joined once more by Zach Bunn. Zach, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. And for those of you that are new to Call of Discovery, this is a deck discovery episode, and these deck discovery episodes are about bottling some of that excitement that we all get when we open a new deck, where our guests share with us the decks that are maybe strange, spectacular, or otherwise surprising from their collections, decks that they consider unique to themselves. So this week's deck, what is it called, Zach? The deck is called The Sun That Wastes Hub City. I absolutely love this this name of a deck. It's amazing. <laughs> I was going to say the number the first reason to love this deck for me is it's a pretty cool name. Uh, you know, some of the names are a little bizarre, but I saw the name of the city and I was like, I hope this one's good. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a super super fun name. And what houses do we have? So we have Brobnar, uh, Untamed, and Star Alliance. Ooh, Star Alliance being my personal favorite. Absolutely, they're good. Every good deck has a great story behind it. So, Zach, what is what is your story with this deck? So, if you know, people listening, they listened to the last episode we did. Um, I was talking about uh, basically discovering a deck as I play it. So, uh, I opened this deck right on the weekend that World Collide came out, and I had a pile of like in my twelve decks that I'd opened for my display, and I was just looking at the house combinations and names. Um, and this is, uh, I think it was the second deck that I, I chose to check out. And essentially, you know, the story is that I was shuffling and I drew cards and I saw a, a handful of cards that I really <laughs> ended up loving, uh, that I had never seen before. And the first one of these, and this is kind of the notable part of it for me was I drew, um, Egon the green. No, I drew Egon the terrible and I yeah. drew it and, and it was basically like, I can't play this card until I see Egon the green. And I, in my head, I was like, I wonder if Egon the green is even in this deck. And what does that, <laughs> what does that mean? Uh, so I, I, I took a Brobnar turn and I just discarded it. Cause I, it, if you play it, it gets destroyed. Uh, but then later on in the game, I draw Egon the green and it's like, Oh, I see. So you play Egon the green and when he's destroyed, he, he gets purged. Then you actually get to get Egon the, the terrible back if he's in your discard pile. Um, and, uh, more, more than anything, it was the first time I didn't know they were going to do this, but it's like, you have these characters in the game, um, who are effectively evolving throughout the game. And I, it was just so cool to me to have a character 
essentially get defeated and then they come back and they're, they're bigger, badder and stronger than ever. Um, and I, I just thought that, you know, in the same way, like with Sanctum, I could see a character going away and coming back as like a spirit or an angel. So I, I, I just, from that moment, uh, the, the name was cool. And then the Egon thing happened. I was basically all but convinced that this deck was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And you've got, Cards of conditional rarity, very Keyforge cards in every single house in this deck, which 100%. I think makes it super fun. Another card in my opening hand was Toad. And I, Stephen had mentioned it to me on a <laughs> podcast that we had done, which is that there was going to be a witch that turned some of your cards to Toad. And so I knew that, because uh, I, you know, I drew this Egon thing and it was weird, but then I had the Toad. So I was just like, wait a second, like that means I must have whatever that really powerful card is. So at first I was like, I wonder if it's related to this, uh, you know, this Egon character, Igon, or how do you say it? Um, and I was like, but now I think it's supposed to be a witch. And so I was yeah. just kind of scratching my head, right? But this is kind of the cool part of Keyforge to me, which is I knew just based on some context that there was something for me to discover here, right? It was like, I'm waiting now. Every time I draw, it's like I'm looking for a crazy witch. Yeah. Um, it wasn't just, to, oh my God, this card is awful. <laughs> yeah, 100%. So, and it is awful. It's pretty bad. Yeah. Um, but later on in the game, right, of course, I would I drew Xeno's Blood Shadow. And I was like, oh my goodness, this is crazy. And I think that's a big part of, of what I loved. And then, of course, we had Frames Blaster, which is another, it was the first time I'd seen a card that was named and associated with a particular character like that. So across the board, it was just kind of like, um, outside the fact that it didn't have Roman dinosaurs in it, um, it was sort of just peak world collide. It was like kind of everything they were doing. I, I didn't have any um, anomalies necessarily, but it was just like there was a lot happening in this one deck. Uh, no matter how good or bad it actually was, it was just kind of like a lot of these like interesting, obscure things happening. Yeah, definitely. And what were some of the maybe play experiences that you had with this deck? Yeah. So again, just kind of the whole element of discovery for me is like, as I started playing it, uh, besides all the stuff I just discovered, right, there was uh, cards I had never seen before and then cards working together in ways I had never uh, even obviously had a chance to think about until I played. But yeah. the one of them is the fact that the deck has two wild spirits in it. So yeah. this is a, a an upgrade, I, I think is what they're called, an attachment. You put it on the character. Um, and then when that character reaps, you capture one of your opponent's amber and so the first time I did this, I actually I had Xenos out and I played two wild spirits on Xenos. And so she's very tough to actually attack. Um, so I think at some point she had seven or eight Amber before my opponent just played a card that could just take her off the board, period. Um, but it was just like, I kept having these moments with this deck where I was just like seeing it do things. Uh, and again, now looking at it, right, you can analyze it and be like, uh, yeah, maybe not the greatest deck ever, but like it just kind of all was hitting at the right time. Um, and then like later, the, so the deck also has two ghost talks in it, uh, which has the deploy you play and both of its neighbors can reap. Yeah, ghost talks, such a fun card. Uh, yes, and I, I'm a, a fan of, of birds made of flame in general. Uh, so <laughs> I, it was a cool art, right? But then it's this awesome card and like it lets the thing next to it reap. And so uh, realizing later that like I could on a untamed turn because it and wild spirit are both untamed. Um, I could potentially play wild spirit on creatures I already had in play, then play a ghost talk to immediately get that effect, even though 
maybe I don't have any uh, untamed characters ready to take advantage of Wild Spirit. Yeah, absolutely. Wild Spirit goes so well with Xenos as well. I think the picture on Wild Spirit is of Xenos, and uh, the certainly the flavor text on it is is quoting Xenos Blood Shadow. It says, "We remember what you seek to forget. Humans are animals too." Very, <laughs> very thematic for Untamed. Yeah, so good. Uh, just so I, the character of Xenos, right, um, with the witch, with the creatures and whatnot, and then the flavor. And that's another, again, just another layer of discovery with Keyforge is they're kind of constructing this whole wild world of Keyforge. And so you get these little bits of, of flavor text um, that I think really bring it home. Yeah, it's it's super, super fun, certainly. And we haven't spoken at all about Star Alliance yet. So was this your first experience with Star Alliance? And, and what did you think of it? So yeah, it was definitely my first experience with Star Alliance. And I, I think the thing that really stuck out with me as I was playing is that uh, the the card pool had a ton of upgrades. So Light of the Archons, Frames Blaster, Cloaking Dongle, even Calvin can turn into an upgrade. So um, it was very much, uh, we've seen upgrades in the past, but I, I had never seen so many uh, in a yeah. single deck. So kind of starting to understand what their their vibe was and what their you know kind of unique strengths were. Of course, in this deck, I think one of the cards that I wished it had the most was Transporter Platform which lets you bounce the character and all the upgrades into your hand. Um, And if you're going with Star Alliance, obviously you can play them right back down. Particularly good with a lot of their upgrades actually just give you an amber. Uh, But beyond that, I also really, really, really liked uh, Morpheus, um, Psy Officer Morpheus, because he lets you double the play effect uh, of your creatures, which could be uh, super powerful, right? And I think this deck has a good number of ways to to take advantage of that. Yeah, like you've got First Officer Frame for Capture. You've got yep. uh, Sensor Chief Garcia for key cost increases, which would be very nice, making your opponent's keys cost four more on their next turn. Absolutely. And you even have in other, other houses, right? Like the Mustang Mermuk is play, deal four damage to a creature. So being able to do that twice would be pretty powerful. Um, Plaxia, you gain two if you control more creatures than your opponent. So if you double that, that's gain four. Anger Chieftain, ready and fight with a neighboring creature. Um, yeah. And just being being able to, to trigger that twice could be quite powerful. So there, there's some interesting play here. Um, but again, kind of like the Walker deck I was describing on the previous episode, I, I don't think this deck, um, you know, synergy is a really important thing. So this deck doesn't quite have all the pieces you want it to have. But at the same time, uh, it has a lot of different pieces that are fun to see. So I think it was a really great early deck for me to pull from this set because it's just super fun. There's a lot of crazy stuff going on. And this is the exact kind of deck that I would love to pull in like a sealed environment Um, because you just, you know, sealed kind of wild and everyone's figuring things out. So getting to see some of these cards, like playing Xenos and sealed could be just a hilarious moment. Oh, definitely. Definitely. Or playing Toad, particularly if it's your first experience, getting Toad in your hand and thinking, oh, goodness, what is this? Zach, if you could pick any card from the entire Keyforge card pool, what do you think this deck would like to see as an addition? Uh, I think the the two main things that I would want uh, if I were choosing would be something like Transporter Platform. I think this deck is, is set up to really make use of that. Um, yeah. the other thing is, I think particularly if I'm not changing too much about the deck, when you look at Brobnar, they have some good control pieces here. 
Um, with like power of fire and overrun, they can, they can really control your opponent's amber a little bit. Um, but you know, I think as is commonly understood, it seems like Brobnar in this set, uh, had the value of their, their bodies and their largeness, um, kind of overvalued. So yeah. they seem to a lot of times be just missing tools. So in the first set we had the, uh, let the bodies hit the floor, I think was the name of the card. Um, yeah. So that's where uh, you, you just need something on that half of the, or that third of the deck to really be able to like, kind of like generate some Amber. Uh, but I think the untamed card pool is pretty good, honestly. Um, obviously I'll take honey, Witch or uh, full moon anytime I can get them. Um, and then even, you know, the star Alliance, like it has, it, it has both of the kind of like strength in my mind, uh, but it's, it's not kind of mid max around either of them. So I like to see things like Garcia and Morpheus um, when you have a lot more uh, character focused, like the ones that like, use other characters and et cetera. Um, or I really like the Star Alliance decks that have a lot of upgrades and have the yeah. platform to use it. So it kind of, like I said earlier, it's almost like a who's who. Instead of being really good yeah. at any of the, the strategies it could be good at, it's kind of hitting all of them. Uh, which sometimes lines up in a way that's really powerful, but as a, that it kind of has the inconsistency of a deck that's not super, uh, you know, focused around doing one or two of the things each house is good at. Yeah, absolutely. And Star Alliance certainly does give a booster to any deck, I think, because it's such a great glue of a house it brings everything together it makes everything work much more well together and, and makes it easier to play other cards from different houses. But Igon is such a fascinating card. And <laughs> honestly, I love the art on this, Zach. I absolutely love the art and I love the flavor of it. And for our listeners that maybe haven't come across this before, this is Igon the Green is a four-power creature. It's a giant. Of course it's a giant. What else would it be? It's in Brobnar. And it's got a destroyed effect that says purge Igon the Green, return Igon the Terrible from your ha- discard pile to your hand. And for every deck you have Igon the Green, there is an Igon the Terrible. And Igon the Terrible is eight power, so twice as much. And uh, when you play it, you have to make sure that you've discarded Igon the Green uh, and it has to be purged. Um, and you can fight to steal one. And it's, I think it's very indicative of, of Brobnar in, in Worlds Collide overall because it's such an awesome idea, it's such an awesome card, but it's maybe missing that magic source that, that would make it competitive. Sure. And I think the, you know, I got on the terrible, I got on the green is one of my favorite parts of this deck. Um, and it's not because it's, it's particularly good. Um, but just seeing that art change from one to the other and even the flavor text. So I got on the green, uh, you know, flavor text says a ship, the sea, what more could I want? And then I got on the terrible flavor text says I want it all. Um, and so that's just really cool, right? To see kind of the creation of a villain happening. So th- this is something that like, like you said, I think it's like, a pinch off from being uh, super good, but at the same time, uh, it's an idea that I hope they continue exploring because I just like this idea of seeing characters have something happen to them and in-game they're evolving. Yeah, it really helps to tell stories for what is essentially a brand new IP. So, uh, Zach, we've spoken a bit about some of the formats and some of the many variants that there are in Keyforge. What is your favorite variant? And do you think this deck would fare well playing it? 
Yeah, absolutely. So I, I think the one of my favorite formats, and we're not talking about sealed in general, is adaptive um, because it basically puts every deck on parity. So you can kind of play whatever deck you want. And I think this is the kind of deck that if you got really familiar with it, you could be above average uh, in terms of how good you are with it. And so yeah. it actually fits right in the pocket of like just good enough that even if someone decides to bring a really, really, really good deck to an adaptive format, um, you wouldn't have to bid over, like if you're playing this and they're playing a better deck with chain. It's like, I don't think this is a bad deck, but it's just not a great deck. Um, so it, it's right in that pocket of, if you get good with this particular deck, uh, I think you could win a lot of games when you're playing against better decks that have chains on them. Um, so yeah, I think it's, it's definitely on my like short list of decks I would bring to an adaptive situation. Um, because I think I could beat a better deck with it sometimes, which if you can win that game, then you're probably in a pretty good spot. I think you're absolutely right. And just looking at that list there, you've got so many rare cards with yeah conditional rarities as well, which maybe people won't have had experience playing or evaluating. I certainly don't have a deck with Igon the Green Terrible or uh, Xenos Blood Shadow in them. So, you know, for me looking at them to begin with, I think I'd have to have a few games with this before I got a really clear idea of how it played and, and what the lines of attack were. So, Sure. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And and for people, for our listeners, maybe looking at SAS scores and thinking, oh, my deck's maybe not great because it's rated like this one is, you know, bottom 32% of all decks. That's certainly not the case because it really does depend on what format you're you're thinking about that from and what format you're looking at that with. Zach, do you do you ever host adaptive tournaments at the uh, Tulsa Covenant store? Uh, so we don't. Uh, do that as often uh, we have, but the one of the, the things is that you know our our primary you know who we're seeking to serve ultimately are people like us, which is they have nine to fives and they usually come after work and hang out at the store. Um, so our store, our, our weekly KeyForge gathering is on Tuesday nights, uh, and the store doesn't open till five. And the reason all that's super relevant is that adapt in adaptive you play three games per round, um, so you're looking at an hour and a half to two hours per round uh, of of KeyForge, and so yeah. when we're only open six hours you can barely get three rounds in even if you started as soon as we opened um so it's not a format we do particularly a lot but i think as a competitive format especially when you uh are on like a saturday or a bigger event um it's just an incredible uh way to really get to suss out who's the better player versus just who happened to have the better deck Absolutely. And have you come across the adaptive best of one concept whereby you cut out the first and the second round of adaptive and get straight to the chase with the chain bidding for the for the third round? And an arc on you can do that where everyone looks at the, the deck lists and you bid chains on whether you want to play yours or you want to play your opponents with a sealed format. You maybe just look at the houses and you have to decide which decks play based on that. Um, I like I, I like that a lot, actually. I think the struggle with that format would just be, like I even run into this when I played, we had our Prime Championship uh, Archon format where you got to bring your deck. And like, you know, because I don't, I literally still haven't seen all of the cards, I, I would get handed someone's list and it's like, I have no idea what a bunch of these cards even do. So, but I do, I think that's a fascinating, like getting right to the point where you're bidding chains um, and you can see each other's decks. 
is something that I think Keyforge can pull off that most games can't. And I, I would love to see a lot more tournaments like that. We might have to try that out. Yeah, yeah. I did a casual tournament of it a few weeks ago and I was skeptical beforehand. I thought, I'm not sure how this is going to work. I was worried in particular about the impact to maybe players that didn't know the card pool as well, the much more casual players. But I have to say, everyone had a great time. And I think it's it speaks to the fact that we are, uh, to quote Brad, uh, Brad Andres, the, the Keyforge developer, on, really on the doorstep of what's possible with this game. And uh, it's exciting to see where it goes in the months and years ahead. I totally agree. Thank you very much to Zach for coming on the cast and, yeah, again, sharing your unique perspective on Keyforge and your unique perspective on playing the game itself on the cast with us. Of course. I really appreciate you having me on. I think content just like this is really an important, I think it's a heartbeat of a community. So, I think it's really important and I applaud your consistency and the quality at which you're bringing content uh, to the world. Uh, so I, I genuinely, as a participant in the Keyforge community, just want to say thanks to you for, for doing it and thanks for having me on. Happy to help you in whatever way we can. And uh, to everyone listening, I hope that we get to keep enjoying years and years of Keyforge. And I really appreciate all the, the support we've received from the community. And uh, I'm excited to see where this game goes. Thank you very much. And I hope to see and I really look forward to the future Keyforge related and other content that yourselves do at Team Covenant. And I recommend to our listeners to really kind of go and check that out. And if you haven't heard our last episode on the role of local game stores and how Keyforge fits into that, then please do go back and listen to it if it's a topic that spikes your fancy. So thanks again to Zach. Zach, where can people find you? You can find me all across the internet uh, at Covenant. We do a weekly live stream on Monday evenings, uh, Central Time. We also have a weekly podcast that goes up on Friday. From the perspective of us as both players and retailers in the industry and looking at both the current state of and future of the industry. Uh, and then, of course, you can find us on social media and whatnot. But then me personally, uh, I tend to spend uh, one or two evenings a week hanging out and playing games and Tulsa, our store, Covenant Tulsa. So if you're ever in the area, stop by and say hello. Uh, and then outside that, you can also find me. I'm most active on Twitter, twitter.com slash Zach Bond. Uh, and I post a lot about Star Wars, so be warned. But uh, that's the, you, can, you can find me pretty much anywhere you could, you, could, you could. Absolutely. Thank you very much. Please do reach out to us and tell us what you thought of Zach's deck. We are to be found pretty much everywhere now we are on twitter as at call of discovery we are on facebook you guessed it call of discovery and we have a rather snazzy instagram account now as well but as always you can email us questions to at discoverkeyforge at gmail.com if you're enjoying call of discovery you can become part of our glorious patreon family via the link to patreon below where you can put your strange and wonderful decks in the spotlight and be the architect of the questions that we ask our future guests you can also pick up a rather snazzy call of discovery hoodie at our teespring which is linked below but but as always if you think a friend would enjoy this podcast please do help them to discover it Thank you.